Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 145. All right, guys, so we're back fresh off the dub dub train. Choo choo. <laughs> <laughs> Plane, car, I don't know. I didn't really go, so. I was there in spirit. I got those. I streamed a lot of the videos, at least. Yeah. So if you did go, you know there was planes, trains, cars, scooters, <laughs> just about everything. No boats. So. It was cool though. San Jose is a nice place. I still kind of preferred San Francisco, but I think a lot of people like San Jose. So. I guess for a conference like that. It's more intimate. You walk around San Francisco when Dub Dub is going on, and occasionally you'll see somebody out there with their Dub Dub jacket on. You're like, oh, okay, that's somebody. That's somebody else. But the further you get away from Moscone, the less of those jackets you actually do see. Yeah, maybe it's just just been so long since I went to a San Francisco Dub Dub. I just can't remember <laughs> how it was seemed like we were always like roaming in packs anyway so yeah yeah like the intro video indicated (laughs) what do you guys think of the intro video i did miss that part i was you haven't watched the intro video well so i I was streaming it while driving in my car but i was so i was listening to it (laughs) oh no (laughs) i wasn't actually watching it well the audio gets you most of what you needed to know i think yeah, I got the idea, I guess. I, just I mean, they, they pandered hardcore to us nerds. Mm-hmm. Played on stereotypes. I thought it was funny. It was. But <laughs> it's better than some of the other ones they've done, we'll say. so. <laughs> it wasn't uh, as like an emotional video as sometimes they do. But they've been funny, I think, for the last few years. But I remember one where it kind of starts off with this guy who's walking through the woods and he's actually blind, but he's using his iPhone to help him navigate through the trails. I don't think that stuff. was an intro video, though, was it? It may not have been. I mean, they do some other good videos. Only, it seems like they've basically done all comedy videos, except for, I think, like, when iOS 7 came out, they had that that kind of thing about what Apple thinks about design, which was a cool yeah. video. Yeah. It was, it was hmm. just uh, basic animation, like, lines and dots but it's very well done this is one of my favorites yeah it might be worth going back and watching a few of those it's not like it would take a whole lot of time yeah you're yeah. giving me show note work to do sam i'm gonna have to put a bunch <laughs> of links in the show notes now but it's that's fine <laughs> developer.com slash or developer.apple.com slash wwdc <laughs> that's the only link you need because it's not that hard to find the keynote videos or the WWDCIO app. That's the Mac app. See, there's another link, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it's like movies. But yeah, like, that, is a, that is definitely a good app. If you want to watch dub dub videos, I would highly recommend that. Yeah, it's much easier than the website. And you can download them pretty fast, too. I think they added iCloud support so it syncs between different Macs. If you have like a Mac Mini that you have hooked up to a TV or a laptop and a desktop and all that stuff. Hmm. So what were some of the the big things you guys were impressed about when you were out there? 
whether it's San Francisco, San Jose versus San Francisco, or, uh, well, yeah, let's start with that. So you guys are overall, were pleased with San Jose? I didn't have any main complaint, like complaints about it. It was the hotels were really close to the action. That was nice. Uh, it seemed like there were way mm. more, like, there's like seven or eight hotels or literally like within a block of the conference, which and San Francisco definitely was not. So that <laughs> no. was cool. Yeah, a, lot of times, um, a lot of times your hotel's a good mile away. Yeah. Um, the weather was really nice too. So, it, you know, about the right temperature, perfect temperature. Uh, to be outside and uh, definitely more comfortable than San Francisco from that regard. San, San Jose feels like a smaller city, uh, which I think might have been the appeal for some people because you felt like, you know, every almost everybody you saw seemed like they were there for the conference because everybody kind of stayed in like one or two blocks of the venue, it seemed. Yeah, I, I would say that that jives a lot with my experience last year. I just, one thing I missed was actually being in San Francisco and feeling like you're part of something really big, not just something really big in a small area. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like San Francisco has more to do um, in the evenings. It seems like, you know, it, definitely more restaurants. You might have to travel a little bit farther to get there, but uh, more choices. Yeah, by far. And it, it seemed like a lot of things shut down at 6 during the week there in San Jose. Like Starbucks was closed at 6 <laughs> <laughs> in most of the locations, if not all of them. And yeah, just things kind of got quiet pretty early, at least from my perspective, which is fine with me. Yeah, Alex doesn't do well if he doesn't have Starbucks. <laughs> it's, you know, it was fine with me because I don't mind quiet. But, but I, you know, I suspect a lot of people went back to like the hotel bars and hung out. Yeah. You know, in those in the lounges and such and socialized. Yeah. One other cool. Th the vendor parties, too. Yeah, there's there's always those. One other cool thing that Alex and I uh, got to do sent us a little closer to cupertino as we headed on out to uh the apple park which was kind of cool they have a nice visitor center there and some some poor poor apple employees like <laughs> selling all the t-shirts for the year in that like two-day period when people are in town for it but it was a cool place yeah it was kind of like at you know you go to the zoo at feeding time and they're throwing raw meat to the lions. You know, it's, it's that that kind of experience. Yeah. They have this full Apple store, you know, so you can buy any of the Macs or watch bands or whatever you want. And it's a decent size. Like, it's as big as the Apple store near us. And then they have, like, one little wall that has, like, a whole bunch of different T-shirts on it and other, you know, miscellaneous, like, hats and stuff like that. And, like, you could tell that, like, if, like if, if the Apple park visitor center was a boat it would be like tipping in the in the side where the the shirts <laughs> were because there are so many people there um and the apple employees did a great job so we all got our our expensive shirts and <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff and there's some other cool stuff there too they have this like viewing deck where you could go up on the second floor and kind of look out at the the spaceship itself 
Okay. And they had this uh, AR experience where you could like, they had like a, it's like a scale like model, one hundred scale model or something of Apple Park that was like all just like made out of wood, and then they were like handing iPads out like candy with a AR app that would basically like overlay the actual Apple Park on it, and you could like lift up the the roof and look at all the buildings and see what they were and see information about and stuff. So that was kind of cool. They had a coffee bar. Hmm. So it's cool to go to. Yeah, you could check that off your list. Yeah, it's like I've I've made the pilgrimage to one infinite loop, <laughs> uh, and and we've done the Apple Park thing. But yeah, are they going to eventually abandon the one infinite loop building? No, this be something. I don't else? believe so. I think they have too many employees. No, I think they they had uh, some of the buildings across the street from one infinite loop. Or Apple buildings as well, so um, you know, unless they're still transitioning, it yeah, it it doesn't seem like they're giving up that that space either. One okay. of the Apple employees at Apple Park said, "Yeah, that they definitely you know just they moved a lot of people over, but they don't have room for everybody." I mean, they the plans for Apple Park were, I mean, five or six years ago, and Steve Jobs was still around, so I mean they. They've grown a bunch since then. They got car projects and VR projects and AR projects and all this stuff. So they got to put all those people somewhere. Yeah. Well, I guess the car project is, wasn't that in some kind of unmarked building that was leased out to a shell company? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure they did all kinds of stuff to hide it. but Double, double secret. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Apple Park is mostly just the emoji team. <laughs> <laughs> It's an important team for Apple. Yeah. Did you make your Memoji yet? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? Like, what kind of question is that, Sam? <laughs> That's like, like, did you every Every year on the Dub Dub announcement, I'm like, I'm going to be a responsible person. I'm going to use this secondary test device that I have, and I'm going to install the beta on it, and I'm going to see how it goes for a couple days. And on beta 2, my main phone gets the beta. But every year... There's some kind of new, like, Animoji <laughs> cool thing. And uh, during the State of the Union, it's installed on my, my main device. So <laughs> well, what, I always have good intentions. We didn't get Animojis right away last year. What was the thing? True, that, that was not a dub-dub. I don't know what the the cool thing was last year. You just can't hold off. Well, the AR yeah. stuff. The AR. I think oh, what... AR kit. Yeah, I wanted to play around with AR kit. That makes a lot of sense. Um. Yeah, I was I was playing around with the AR sample code that was like not even out <laughs> during the state <laughs> evening last year. Um, but the beta is actually surprisingly stable. There's like a couple apps I've had crash on launches, but like they were listed in the known issues list. So hmm. yeah, I've just only, just Skype. So <laughs> I've only seen a couple of minor glitches, and they went away after a while with some apps. Um, My iPhone 10 is somehow faster now. Which is weird. Some people have claimed the battery life uh, isn't as good on the beta, which might not be that surprising. You know, that's kind of typical yeah. at this stage. That's Got my all that debug code. That's yeah. my experience. the The battery life is not there, but it's not horrible either. Yeah. Although, and... I mean, they were doing a lot of indexing and stuff. I think, like after I installed it, after now that I'm home and I've had it installed for a couple days, it's actually doing pretty well at least for my iphone 10 
Yeah, it's it's not like I need to plug it in every few hours or something like that, but I notice I have much less battery life. I'm hitting the the twenty percent warning earlier in the evening than I did normally. But other than that, yeah, I see a little bit of UI improvements here and there, like in messages, and I don't notice a whole lot else. Yeah, I think if you didn't have an iPhone ten, it would be a little bit harder to rationalize upgrading right away um short of just the stability and performance improvements which you know those are important but in terms of killer features you have to have an iphone 10 to get an emojis and a lot of the other things are are uh nice polish um the password manager integration you know that's one of my favorite features they've introduced we'll see one password integrate much tighter with applications as well as the browser. Um, or if you want to use the cloud keychain, you can do that. Yeah, but unless like you that... work at 1Password or Agile Bits, you're not going to see that until November. Right. Well, I mean, October. November. October. I'm on the beta. Set- I'm September. hoping I get it any day now. <laughs> yeah, I think they had a prototype working near that first day, but. Um, but I'm, yeah, that's not know, a reason it, to update your beta for sure. But yeah. no, I I think like you know when it goes gold, it, outside of the iPhone 10 features and password management, um, the main motivation is going to be performance and a little bit of polish. But uh, the other big feature is Siri shortcuts, uh, which is probably the one that'll impact the apps that we work on the most at our company because we've got a lot of a lot of our clients want to do things with voice and Siri shortcuts and the enhancements to Siri kit open it up a lot more uh, it's kind of like Google Actions or Alexa skills uh, apps can you know they kept using the word donate intense uh, that can be used to, to activate or, or interact with applications and then the ability to kind of t- tie that all together with uh, the workflow is kind of intriguing. Almost makes me want to get a HomePod. Almost, yeah. but Almost. Not, not quite enough. <laughs> so I find that there's not a, a great parallel between like the Google Actions and the Siri shortcuts. Because the Siri shortcuts to me are more like macro kinds of things that you can do set up a little mini script basically to kick off a bunch of things with a couple of voice commands whereas the google actions they have uh, frameworks and libraries and stuff to set up whole conversations with your assistant And, and you can have contextual conversations like the thing can ask you something and then you can respond back to it or you can say yeah, go ahead and do that after you've established whatever that is. And so you you can waste confirmation, but you're you're right. It's it's not conversational to the same level that uh, Google Actions are. But yeah, I mean, so like, I would say that we're just happy that we're kind of where like. Alexa was as a, as a voice assistant like two years ago. We're thrilled to be able to like say, "Hey, I have a noun that can verb this thing or whatever." Right. 
uh, for our apps. Um, but yeah, this is it's not going to be anywhere near as good as like the existing voice assistants on other platforms. That's just kind of something we've resigned ourselves to, I think. Um, yeah. Well, the other silver lining is that it's not going to send random conversations to other users uh, <laughs> without your permission. So um, you've got that working for you. Well, yeah, the, the whole privacy thing is definitely not something to dismiss lightly. No, yeah. and that's, I mean, that's true. That's like Apple's, that's their one advantage that they have over yeah. other companies. And they, one of the features they added, or it, it's a setting where you can have the um, lightning port locked down, uh, not transfer data after a certain amount of time, after the devices turned uh uh, gone to sleep. I don't think it's even a setting. I think that's just the how it works now. I thought you either opted in or could opt out. I thought you could tweak that off the look, but the, that's what I remembered from the presentation. But um, so these devices that you can buy to basically brute force through a six-digit password uh, won't really have an impact anymore because that will be shut down. You can still charge the device when it's turned off, but data won't be transferred. Yeah, that's, that's a, from a privacy perspective, that's a, a big win. So yeah, you're right. It is a setting. It's called like USB accessories. Um, you can make it so that you have to unlock the iPhone in order for any USB accessories to work, but it's off by default. So I think like the default case will be the more secure scenario so it used yeah it used to be like what like i think in like the last version of ios or maybe it was yeah like 11.4 they had this but it was like you had two weeks or a week or something and now it's like one hour so those coppers ain't getting in our phones <laughs> i'm not yeah. i don't know why i'm worried about them but <laughs> well it doesn't necessarily have to be the good guys either so um, you know, if your device gets stolen or, um, you know, if you plug your phone into some random USB jack somewhere, you know, it could, you know, they could It'll be accessing data. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think that's something that comes up at the security conferences of like, you don't, you don't use some random USB jack when you're out and about, especially at a security conference. And you always use VPN, and yeah, there's lots of things when you're at a security conference. You, you, you probably don't even want to get on any networks that you see there. Yeah. <laughs> you probably want to stay on the cellular network, still use a VPN. Yeah. I've plugged my phone into the power jack in an airplane before, and the phone has asked me if I wanted to trust the computer. Yeah, it's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, no, thank you. Disconnecting. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah. One thing, we'll probably not get into this but there were certainly a lot of sessions around ARKit and core ml uh, not to be confused with google's core ar and MLKit. ml kit <laughs> yes. um, but those have definitely improved you know object tracking uh, and you know improved object recognition uh, is definitely uh ar kits definitely come a long way and you can do real time with spatial context with multiple players. 
uh, with ARKit, which is, you know, they had a big demo with the SwiftShot uh, demo app. People were competing all week long uh, on, on their setup there. Sadly, that was one of the things that Google announced in their AR core framework as well. Cloud, they called them uh, like cloud points or something like that. Okay. I can't remember what Apple called them, but um, yeah, it you know, kind of goes into competition is a good thing. They're going to drive each other to improve. The core ML has definitely improved quite a bit. Um, you know, Google released TensorLite for Swift that you can use. So if you want to use Google stuff, you can do that. But And TensorLite works on device. Uh, Apple's uh, Crate ML looked really intriguing. So, you know, for a lot of people, I imagine Core ML or ML in general, you know, machine learning seems intimidating, but their demos of the Create ML where you can train and verify a model it was almost all drag and drop you know, to teach it to recognize different types of flowers or fruits or you know it, you know could be doesn't have to be images it could be uh, words as well so it it looked like anybody could really create a model and supposedly it's a lot smaller than models that you would create with any of the open source third-party solutions yeah it sounds like there's some common models that ship with the OS or something like that, which yeah. seems kind of cool. Yeah, so I think it just builds on top of that. Um, yeah. And I, then, I'm looking forward to trying that out. need to get a good use case to try it out on, but that's probably worthy could, of it of a longer could, discussion. Sorry. You could help vision-impaired shoppers find apples in the grocery store. Yeah. yeah. We're... I don't know if there's already an app for that or not. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> probably not. probably not specifically that use case, but you never know. Well, wouldn't yeah. surprise me. <laughs> but, but it's only apples. Yeah, not yeah. just not just apples. <laughs> yeah, you, you want oranges? You gotta go download another app. There's hot sense. dog or not? That's a different use case. But <laughs> now, if you could identify the ripe ones versus the unripe, or... yeah. It would be it would be nice for those people who shop at the like when you put in your online order for groceries because I've gotten some some pretty nasty looking produce in the past. Anyways, <laughs> we could make a produce picking app and they'll call it Fruit Ninja. There you go. Wait, <laughs> that's I think that should be fine. I think it might be taken. Yeah, yeah. Nobody plays that game anyway. Yeah. It's really fun in VR. Actually, my kids love it. <laughs> I, used, I used to play it with the Xbox Connect. Uh, that was pretty fun. It was a bit of a workout. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of swinging and slashing. You need to make sure you're far yeah. away from the walls or the computer and, <laughs> and other people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so kind of um, getting into that that uh, game space, one big announcement that probably rocked uh, the future for a lot of game developers Especially at A Star Software, that's right. <laughs> the, the deprecation of OpenGL, so it's not going away right away, but uh, they're definitely making it clear that it's not not a long term strategy to stick with OpenGL. I mean, so there have been signs of this in the past, like 
Apple is on a kind of ancient version of OpenGL, like Android's OpenGL version is way ahead. You know, they've really been pushing metal. So it makes sense that they have such a big market share of like mobile games that, or at least money making mobile games that they are like, all right, we're going to do our push for, you know, our framework kind of like back when PCs were the way most people played games, uh, Microsoft did with DirectX. So yeah, OpenGL is going away and that means we probably have a big chunk of our apps that we need to rewrite. Um, Luckily, it's all abstracted. So hopefully we can just replace that whole layer sometime over the next year or two. My hunch is that we're going to see maybe next year or sometime in the near future, like a you know, some iOS device or Mac device shipping with an Apple uh, GPU that does not support OpenGL at all. It's just just accelerates uh, graphics with metal. Would be my hunch as to why this is happening. But hmm. yeah, I guess we'll see. It'll it'll be kind of a pain. Most people are like, oh, you know, there wasn't that much new stuff at DubDub this year. There's some hemming and hawing about that, but I was like, I have, I'm good. I got plenty of stuff that I get to work on based on this year's dub dub. So it will be fun rewriting that app. And I've been watching lots of fun metal videos the past few days. So, <laughs> so Argo, are you actually thinking of that porting to metal, or would you maybe just port your games over to Unity since you are, you've already done a new game in unity would you think about changing over i mean so that is a valid question um i think it would be it would be more work for us to do that than to rewrite our game engine layer in in metal okay because we we actually have a fairly good like objective c api that kind of wraps our graphics library so you're not really ever interacting with the OpenGL stuff for the majority of the app it's just like that 5 or 10% of the code that kind of is at the very bottom of our stack essentially that should be a fairly straightforward metal port it may take a little bit more to optimize it or as much as you can because I mean part of the reason why they're getting rid of OpenGL is because it's it's kind of a an older school uh graphics framework with a pipeline that doesn't really make sense with all these massively parallel uh gpus that modern hardware has so i mean there's there's good reason for it to be deprecated um but yeah i I think in the long run it's going to be easier for us to just kind of replace that that layer than to completely port to unity or something like that if we were starting from scratch it would be a different conversation probably but yeah okay just based on where we are now I think that's probably the way it will go. Yeah, I suppose that would be the the minimal effort. I mean, there's there's benefits to you know having your your code be native apps. I mean, we've we've done Unity for one of our apps, our Solitaire app that's out now, and there's definite downsides to it. I mean, it's a lot harder to troubleshoot, um, get stack traces and stuff like that, just because there's you know multiple languages and lines that you're going yeah. through and um, and you're kind of behind a little bit, you know, in terms of, you know, what's available to you, unless you write your own like wrappers around and around the native code to do various things on multiple platforms, if you don't wait for other people mm-hmm. to do that. So 
I guess the question I should have asked first was, would you write another <laughs> another card game in Unity? Um, I I don't. I'm not sure. I think we probably would if we were starting from scratch. It it honestly depends on how much it would share with our other games, though. Yeah. Okay. Because Solitaire was a a lot different from kind of our other sets of games. They all kind of had a bunch of commonalities that made sense to reuse a bunch of code. Right. It seems like a lot of times when you're writing code, you write stuff to be reusable and then it never gets reused. But we actually got to reuse a bunch of our code for our, <laughs> our existing card game apps, which was kind of nice to do for once. I, I just remember all these, yeah, a lot of enterprise apps writing all this very abstract code and oh yeah, never swapping out the database manager or, <laughs> you know, whatever. But right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fair enough. I was just curious whether. So it's it's not doom and gloom for for metal or unity. I mean, I I think they they both kind of have a place in our tech stack at at A Star Software, even though we only have three people working on stuff right now. It's, so it's not like you're going to go rip out React Native from your current app, like we've heard stories of other people doing. Yeah, yeah. We we didn't have like a horrible Unity experience. We. We wrote our app in Unity and we shipped it, and then two weeks later we shipped it on Android as well, and didn't really have to do much. So, and it was still a you know just as good of an app. So, so one other thing I did want to mention uh, on the performance focused, going back to the Dub Dub stuff that got announced, um, is I, I heard from some little birdies kind of around the conference that there were some Apple engineers who were kind of bummed they didn't talk more about all the performance enhancements that they made, um, including like the new performance tools that we have as developers to kind of tune our apps. But there is a whole team of people that had to use iPhone 6s as their daily drivers for like the past year in order to get all this performance stuff <laughs> improved. So uh, whoever out there is who had to do that, if, if you listen to this podcast, we thank you very much. Um and even if you don't, man, that must have been rough. <laughs> that's good that they're dog fooding that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know how else you would do it. Yeah. I mean, aside from the lack of 3D touch, I wouldn't find the 6 to be a, a terrible device by modern standards. Have you used a 6 recently? Like, not like a test device 6 that has like nothing on it, but like a couple apps that you're testing on? but like load up all of the apps that you use on a day-to-day basis on a six. Cause that is a whole different story. <laughs> no, I, I have lots of family members with six and they say, my phone's horrible. It doesn't work. And they give it to me and it, it is really slow. Okay. So I will say this. I, I have a coworker and I noticed on her phone that it would take like 30 plus seconds to bring up the camera app. But, yeah, I mean, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, well, it is insane, but here's what happened. I, I went into her phone, with her permission, of course, but looked at the settings and found that her phone had experienced a battery fault, and it was purposely running slow so as not to in- encounter the same battery fault again. Turned that off, and it was fast again. So I, I've seen this on people who've had their batteries replaced, too, though. It's not, I mean... Yeah. So it's it's 15 seconds to open the camera app versus 30, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's still not great. Right. But there there may be a, 
some of that as a factor or an issue, I would say. I mean, that's that's part of the reason that they did it. I mean, Apple, rightly or wrongly, has gotten the reputation of, you know, they make the phone slower every year in order to get you to upgrade the new phone. I don't know why anyone would think that because uh, it seems like if that's what you really thought was happening, you would just get a different phone from someone else. Well, then the performance stuff doesn't bother you that much, right? <laughs> but there's a reason that that you know the oper- the old operating systems or the old phones do run slower on the newer operating system versions, and that's they do pl- obsolete certain phone models eventually. Yeah, I mean it's a thing that happens, but they obsolete the 4s long. Boom. Not not as a like we're trying to screw you, but like as a. It's just a kind of an evolution of software thing, but yeah, and they're fighting back against that perception, I guess, this year, which that makes sense. I think it makes sense, but this is something that people with computers, anybody who's owned a desktop in the last twenty years, has realized that it's not just that their system is bogged down with like spyware from Windows machines. But the new operating systems are more sophisticated and they do more things, so they take more processing power. That's a, that's a hard sell to, a, I think, a typical user probably, but <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. And but, the same computers that ran Windows 95 like a champ didn't do so well when they when you put Windows 2000 on them or something. And not to get too far off the mark here, but like when you when you introduce Electron apps, oh boy, it's <laughs> a whole that's a whole separate story. It's like I have a chat app, and I have a word processing app, and I have an email app, all like half of them running in Electron, and it takes sixteen gigabytes of RAM. But you could do that just fine fifteen twenty years ago on, you know. 64 megabytes of ram on like some old version of windows so yeah yeah if, if i see a an app is electron it's got to be really good or the only thing in its space before i before i get you talking more about electron sam oh, no that's it I'm <laughs> good. uh so what what other cool stuff did we get this year from dub dub well one of the things that i was most interested in uh, during the conference was around uh, some improvements to Xcode and testing. So you can now do parallel testing with the simulator. And it's pretty cool the way it works. It'll clone uh, clone your base simulator and make a number of copies and distribute your tests across uh, multiple simulators. So your tests will run significantly faster uh, you, people, teams with a large number of automated tests, um, you know, run into a challenge with the tests being all uh, all serial because you can only pretty much only have one thread uh, with the simulator for testing. But now that gets broken up, so build times get a lot faster. Tests will get run more often, and uh, it should see overall build times uh, decrease yeah it seems like an answer to the question like why did we need all those snapshotting features and apfs oh well this this makes a lot of sense right here when you have stuff like that yeah it's pretty cool it's not 
you definitely have to be careful about how you structure your tests. I mean, they really need to be uh, independent. Uh, it will randomize the order of your test as well. So it'll find those, uh, those interdependencies or you're likely to run into issues if your tests depend on each other. Like one does the setup and another does the teardown. Let's say it's a database or creates a file. Um, you know, you can't really rely on, on the order anymore if you've got that enabled. Yeah. Well, that's been a bad practice since day one. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, you could get away with it. Uh, now it'll be harder to do that and you may not even do it intentionally. Uh, it may just happen that it works in one order, but now, uh, you know, the order gets randomized and you can find bugs that might happen in production that you didn't think of. Or you you thought you had coverage for, but you really didn't. You know, they didn't announce anything new with the Xcode bots. Yeah, and I, there really wasn't. Um, they, in in many ways, they kind of recognized that teams don't really use it that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, they use third-party build systems and, and CI servers. So they did introduce an API for uh, what's now App Store Connect instead of iTunes Connect. Uh, and it's a fairly robust Rust API. You can do pretty much anything with that. Uh, one of the nice things to go along with that is you don't have to use a user credential. You can generate a token. Uh, that token is only good for 20 minutes. So you got to, you know, or up to 20 minutes, so you got to make sure whatever you're doing gets done within that time or work through the, the logistics of that. So uh, you need the username and password for the token, right? Um, no, That's you... That's a pretty short-lived token. No, oh, no, no, no. no. You have a certificate that you use to get a token, and then the token is a short-lived token. So oh. it stays relatively uh All right, so it secure. is a little better than... Yeah. Sending your username and password yeah. every time. Yeah, and uh, to go along with that, the whole you know. So now you can pretty much you can add users, create groups, you can um, you can you know upload builds. Uh, you still use Transporter to upload your builds and your metadata. Um, you there are now now if you're doing a public beta, you don't need to add users anymore. You can generate a public link for it. So nice. <laughs> you just send that link out, and uh, it can be shared. You can limit the number, and you know that you can um, disable the link too if you get to a point that you want to turn it off. So that that definitely is going to help uh, teams that that do a decent amount of external beta testing, because collecting emails or device IDs is a huge pain. Yeah. Then, well, for external beta, you didn't need the device IDs. You just basically invited people with an yeah. email. As long as you're using TestFlight, yeah. If you're right. still using something like Fabric, it's you still have to deal with device IDs. So even more reason to switch over the TestFlight. Um, they also finally unify the dev accounts on the developer portal with the App Store Connect accounts. So, you know, if you have a new developer added to your team, you have to 
essentially add them in both places. Or if they leave the team, you have to remove that person from both places. So uh, that's no longer uh, something you have to worry about. Or won't won't be very soon. And I, you know, we don't have to wait till September for some of these things. The API is should be coming in the next few weeks, as well as some of these other changes. Yeah, the performance is still not the best on iTunes or sorry App Store Connect, but it's it's nice and has new icons and stuff now. So <laughs> it'll be cool to see that stuff roll out. Yeah, that's gonna yeah. be a hard change to to make thinking about saying now a hard name change to get through my head yeah i feel like it's going to be harder than like mac os 10 to mac os was (laughs) i don't know why but i just been saying itunes connect for nine years or whatever at this point so or just itc yeah and they did also update the ios app to support the ipad optimized for the ipad and phone and it's fairly robust. You can pick which team you're looking at. So before, I think you kind of logged in with one account and one team. Now you can switch between teams and uh, customize reports and, and do a number of things. I think that the reports is probably one of the more visual updates to App Store Connect. Yeah, that thing definitely needed an update. It was. I don't think it was even optimized for the iphone 10 probably not yeah apple didn't want to be run afoul of their own guidelines today <laughs> <laughs> all new updates must include support right that's right maybe maybe that hasn't gone into effect yet either way so i guess there's one more thing to talk about uh looks like we're getting ui kit on the mac next year not not this year but next year i think some people were thinking that would have landed in 2018 but we're gonna get it next year with our with our new Mac Pro. It'll be awesome. We can run, you know, whatever dinky little iOS app you want on your fancy new Mac Pro that everyone's gonna buy next year. But so, what do you guys think about UI Kit running on the Mac? So they said 2019 as a next next year 2019, but they didn't really say when. Like my question is gonna be like. Is this something that's going to be in like a, a point one release? Like, I, you know, no, maybe I, we'll get yeah. it in March. <laughs> no, I think this no will way. be the feature of WWDC nineteen. You think so? Oh yeah. I mean it. It's it's not unprecedented for them to have like a like when the iPhone ten came out, they had like the little touring thing, or when the Apple TV came out, they like toured around a couple different cities. And had these like mini developer things, and are like, check out these new videos we have. But yeah, I don't think that's happening. I, with this. <laughs> I think there's going to be. I think there was a lot of content planned for this year that they have to push out to next year. Uh, I personally believe that there's going to be a whole new design language for the Mac and iOS uh, to make them more cohesive, as well as you know, provide a more, hopefully, a more comprehensive uh, UI language. So I would say if they don't come out with a design language, then maybe we'll see this in spring of 19. But if they are planning something like that, I really think they do need to plan something like that. Then, yeah, it'll be a dub dub 19 thing. Yeah. And, I, you know, if they do what 
Google did with Android on the Chromebook, which, you know, essentially it, you know, there's not much that's special about it. They kind of remap the interactions, um, you know, nothing really changed aesthetically, you know, but, yeah, they could do that in the spring, but I don't, I didn't get the impression that that was a plan. Uh, one of the design sessions, the designer said, well, I can't show you anything I worked on this year. Uh, that'll have to wait till next year. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, everything's kind of leading me to believe that we'll see more. And, you know, you could even read into the TV UI kit updates where there's this whole new set of robust components that kind of look a little bit like the material design cards, um, but common design patterns implemented as components for uh, tvOS. I think that I haven't looked at it, so I have to say I'm a little bit ignorant on that part. But from what it sounded like when we were talking about it pre-show was that that was stuff that was all available if you were using the tvml stuff where you just kind of script it in with a with like their little html like language but maybe but it wasn't really accessible from the from your code exactly you couldn't instantiate some of these if you did a ui kit app right gotcha. yeah yeah well the other advantage is these these tvos centric components also that tie in better with the focus engine i believe so um you can build apps that feel like the stock apps in terms of how they behave and look and yeah. it has things like you know user avatars and uh media cards and and things like that so but i could definitely see apple doing something like the material design team did with not only did they refine their design language but they created components that made it easy to adopt it. Right. And let's that not forget cool. Microsoft's fluent design that they've been. Well, it's the name for that. Metro. Was that Metro? No. Is fluent newer than Metro? Fluent is their latest and greatest. Oh, replacement Metro. Yeah. I can't remember what, whatever they that was call different. Me- whatever they changed Metro to. <laughs> yeah, well, my I, bad. Yeah. I'm, I can't, I'm definitely not an expert on this one, but. I do know it's somewhat of a replacement for Metro and not quite the same thing or even an evolution. But- well, so, so going back to you, I can on the Mac. Um, it sounds like I'm hearing from both of you guys that you think that there's going to be some kind of more merged together iOS slash Mac framework. It's going to look more like it all fits together than kind of the examples that we got during the keynote like the stocks app and the news app or whatever yeah is is that what you guys are saying that's my opinion well yeah and in a lot of ways we're due for a ui refresh on ios so why not have that same refresh running on the mac too it's i i hear you i hear you (laughs) but it's been they had like they had they they said so people have been asking us for a while are we going to combine ios and mac well, and then, like, in 90, 90 foot tall letters on the screen, yeah. it just said no. no. Right. But <laughs> that's not, the OS. That's yeah. not the the widgets on well, the screen. Yeah. But that's a big part of the OS. No. It, it is a big part of it. I mean, in terms of the 
the visual part, but it's it's more combining AppKit and UIKit, not iOS and macOS. But, See, I, it's a slippery slope <laughs> for what that, that actually means. Part of me wonders if this no is kind of like then no one ever is going to want to use a stylus on a phone or a, or a tablet or who would ever <laughs> want video on an iPad? And that's just it. something that would never happen. A touchscreen laptop. I'm, I'm, I don't, yeah. Even so though you use a surface or a, say part a, of, a, part of me thinks iPad. this is one of their, they just have to say no until they figured out the way to do it in what they consider a good way. And then they'll be like, Oh yeah, we figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could happen someday, but I feel like it's going to be more of a visual, uh, merging not really a a platform merging I, I, the mac is still going to be used for different things than an iphone or an ipad you might see the ipad and the mac merge you know the lines blur more with those two devices i mean they've been talking about or there, there's been rumors about arm Macs. yeah i mean what's at what at some point like what's the difference well, i think if you're you can type terminal on your iPad. <laughs> if you're somebody who uses your MacBook or MacBook Air mostly for email, chat, browser, um, maybe some sort of uh, productivity suite, and you could do all that on the iPad. Um, but you know, there may—I don't know. Maybe if they were to merge those two devices, I th- think there's. There's a mark, casual user market where that might make sense, but you know the professional market is going to need a different type of hardware and OS to do the things they do. So what do you think the big benefit of having UIKit on Mac is for Mac? I think it's you've got a whole lot of iOS developers out there building apps, and they don't have the the skill or interest to bring those to the mac and i think by lowering those barriers we'll, we'll see more more uh, native apps on mac i certainly have more than once wanted to build a mac app but you know i start getting into AppKit and like ah it's kind of kludgy this is this <laughs> is more work than i thought it would be my skills don't transfer as well as i would have hoped yeah all right so argo you you guys are sorry to pick on you again, but no, it's I like being picked on. It's all good, man. <laughs> so you guys, at one point, had ported one at least one of your card games to Mac OS ten back mm-hmm. then, and you didn't find that it was a significant source of revenue and not worth keeping up. Correct. Um, that is correct. Uh, part of the reason for that is there wasn't really like an ad platform for the Mac that apps use. And I don't know if people on the Mac would want those kind of apps, but maybe, maybe if they get all this influx of like, you know, all these iOS games are out there, maybe that'll make them want, you know, free, lots of free apps that have ads. I don't know. I kind of doubt it, but if there was a way for us to get ads on the Mac, I mean, and it didn't take much effort, I think we would be open to trying it, but when we did it, you couldn't. So it was basically like, all right, we ported our apps to um, to AppKit, and we had them paid up front. And that's mm-hmm. not a that's not a viable business model for 
a game like ours on the Mac. There are there are certainly some apps that can make that work. Uh, you know, those productivity apps that you use every day, but not not for a, a game like ours. So yeah. if if the ad situation changes or like there's no way to stop <laughs> an app from running ads on the Mac, I don't know. I, I mean, we might try it. Okay. I'm I'm hoping that we're gonna see a lot of companies that have like cross-platform apps. They have a native app on their on iPhone, uh, maybe on Windows and Mac. They have an Electron app. Maybe we get the UI Kit app instead of the <laughs> Electron app. That would be awesome. It would be super awesome. Yeah. But that may just be wishful thinking on my part. <laughs> we shall see. I think a lot of these companies that are using Electron on the desktop are switching to React Native on mobile. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. It's all, it's all Flutter now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Flutter is the new hotness. It is if you listen to all the Android guys, or at least some of them, I guess. I, I heard that from, from lots of people out there, so I, watch out for Flutter. <laughs> I did listen to a Fragmented Podcast, which is an Android podcast, and they have um, somebody, not somebody who works on Flutter or anything, but who has at least done some significant work on with Flutter, and he came and did a two-episode podcast with them, and it's a pretty good overview. Of, uh, it's not, it's, it goes back into about March or so. It's just a two-episode overview of Flutter. So it's worth checking out. I'll put the links in the show notes. Thanks a lot, Sam. <laughs> I was just thinking more links for you, Arca. <laughs> all right. Well, that's about all the time I think we have left this week. So why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on the internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. And you can find me at Sam Corder on Twitter. I'm at Alex Argo, and you can find the podcast somewhere on Twitter, but you probably just want to come and, and chat with us in Slack by getting an invite at chat.charitinstance.com. We had a lot of a lot of fun in there during DubDub, so come join us and talk about all the cool new APIs you're, you're implementing or uh, switching away from your deprecated OpenGL. Uh, we'll <laughs> talk to you guys soon. All right. See you.